What's that they say? No shoes, no shirt, no service. Regulators today saying no credit, no problem. Come on in. We're going to talk about a Wall Street Journal article which dives into regulators maybe helping people get more access to credit on today's show. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you from Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihi. And I'm Chelsea Brennan from Stores, Connecticut, where I write Smart Money Mamas. This is the show where we open the news and dive in with financial thought leaders from all walks of life. Today, today we're talking about the Wall Street Journal. We're not only going to read a little bit of the piece to you, like some podcasts, but we'll talk about why this is important for you and your wallet. Thanks to Rocket Dollar for supporting Money with Friends. Rocket Dollar account holders have the ability to invest their retirement savings in anything they choose. Through a Rocket Dollar self-directed IRA or solo 401k, you can make investments directly into real estate, private companies, peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, and everything else allowed by the IRS. Get $100 off your setup fee by heading to rocketdollar.com slash MWF. That's rocketdollar.com slash MWF. And while $100 off a setup fee of a self-directed IRA, Chelsea, sounds good, uh, knowing what the heck you're doing when you open a self-directed IRA, probably even more important. Definitely. Not for everybody, but a good option for sure. Yeah, it it can be uh, ugly. So if you want any of that, I like working with somebody that knows what they're doing. Speaking of somebody that knows what they're doing, back for the second day in a row, Chelsea Brennan's <laughs> here with us. How are you? Doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad that you came back. We didn't scare you away with all those French protests that we talked about yesterday. <laughs> Uh, tell Luckily, her, you weren't throwing tear gas. No, that's not yet. <laughs> or they're not throwing tear gas at us. That's why we don't do this. We do it live on Facebook, but we don't do it where they can hit us. They can only hit their screen. <laughs> uh, but 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 seriously, let's talk a little bit about Smart Money Mamas. Tell everybody what you do there. So we're focused on helping moms feel confident with money. Uh, and that includes just basic financial um, knowledge, but also support and their goals and making sure they have a good community to stick to what they really want to do with their money and their career. And and uh, you are launching a podcast. I am launching a podcast. It's coming out early February. Is that exciting or terrifying or maybe both? It's a mix. I love talking to people and hearing their stories. So I'm really excited about it. And we've already recorded a couple of episodes, uh, but it's always new platforms are always scary. That's awesome. So if you head to Smart Money Mamas, you'll know right when it goes live, right? Absolutely. Cool. Well, we are live here today talking about regulators making it easy for maybe the people with the weakest credit among us to get more. Don't know if that's good or bad. We'll find out here in just a second. Let's see who's kicking off today's show for us. The money talking party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. All right. Today's piece comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. Chelsea brought us this one. It's written by Yuka Haishi. And the title is Bad Credit, Regulators Back Ways for Risky Borrowers to Get Loans. What could possibly go wrong, Chelsea? The headline is a little scarier, I think, than the article. We'll dive in. So consumers with spotty or no credit histories might find it easier to get loans after federal banking regulators endorsed alternatives to traditional methods of assessing credit worthiness. The regulators on Tuesday backed the use of information such as borrowers cash flow as an alternative to the traditional credit evaluation system, which relies on scores issued by companies such as Equifax and Experian based on applicants past history of borrowing and repayments. Alternative data may help firms evaluate the credit worthiness of consumers who currently may not obtain credit in the mainstream credit system, the regulators said in a written statement. Quote, to the extent firms are using or contemplating using alternative data, the agencies encourage responsible use of such data, the regulator said. 
An estimated 45 million to 60 million consumers lack the credit history needed to generate reliable credit scores under the current system, and millions more don't have access to affordable credit because of low scores, according to Fen Reglab, a nonprofit research organization. The problem is particularly acute for people with low incomes. In a study this year, the group concluded that data on incomes and spending is one of the most promising ways to improve access to credit, said more than 96% of U.S. households have bank or prepaid accounts and their current account information is now easily accessed uh, electronically. The study looked at lending data from fintech firms that already use alternative data making lending decisions, including Axion International, Cabbage Inc., LendUp Global Inc., and Pedal Card Inc. Of course, on our Stacky Benjamin show, Chelsea, we we talked to a lot of these fintech firms using these these other other places. My my understanding has been, and maybe we'll get into into some of these other things that they talk about later in the piece about how this is bad. My understanding is there are some people that may need credit and may be able to uh, use leverage responsibly, but they can't credit it because they either don't have a credit card, they they don't trust you know the the banking system the way it is. This makes it so that they can reliably begin to participate. I agree. And I think that like credit scores have always to me been a little bit like SAT scores and any other kind of test, right? It's just the best measure that we have. And it does have holes in it that leave certain people out of that, um, out of the game a little bit. Uh, I actually have a very close friend who makes a good income, very intelligent, very responsible with money. But of all things, he has the exact same name of his father and grandfather who were not as responsible with credit. So he has a couple of things that he's had taken off his credit report, I think now eight times. And every oh time goodness. it comes back on and it drops his score and he's had trouble getting apartments and whatever, even though he has a ton of cash flow and he uses credit responsibly. So I think that there are places where this is actually helpful to expand access. I remember, I'm not going to remember the name of the firm, probably not important now, but but they uh, uh, talking to people that rent about using their rental history as, mm-hmm. as, uh, as a way to get more credit. Like that can help you maybe get more credit uh, or not even get so um, uh, credit as much as, be seen differently by a future place for you to live, like for you to to, to yeah. qualify for your next rental house. Um, well, one thing that bothers me the way the system is now that I never got, and our mutual friend Steve Stewart, who also engineers the Stacking Benjamin Show, but he he for a long time had a podcast. Uh, <laughs> Steve complains about about credit is that traditionally, even though your utility bills are not repayment or credit utility providers can provide negative information about you to the credit bureau. (laughs) And I don't, I never understood why, because that doesn't seem fair to me. No, I mean, there's, it doesn't seem fair at all. And the fact that, you know, that it gets played into your rates on so many other things that aren't even related to credit, right? If you're someone who just doesn't use credit and this comes up in sort of like debt freedom circles that don't even want to touch credit or worry about their credit score, it plays into cost of your utilities, cost of insurance, cost of a million other things. I, I think this is just the beginning of the game, though. You know, we've heard for the last three or four years that with the growth of social media, there's already companies that follow you on social media, right? I think it wasn't oh, the yeah. last time you were here that we were talking about getting getting a consumer score. From- the consumer scores, yeah. Yeah. And but- the data people track. Uh, uh, I think uh, there's going to be a much better picture of of how we are as consumers and as borrowers going forward that a credit score the way it is today just can't keep up with. But some of that gets creepy. 
because oh, I've yeah. also read that it shows that you are who you surround yourself with. And there are firms already that go and look at your Facebook friends. Um, mm-hmm. And if you have bad Facebook friends that are horrible <laughs> with money, they will recommend that retailers don't do business with you. Um, and that's really scary. <laughs> yeah. Scary and doesn't seem fair at all. Yeah. Like, where's the line here? I'm not sure. I'm thinking, sorry, that Facebook thing completely distracted me because I'm thinking about people who are breaking out of bad histories, right? Yeah. Like they have families that were bad with money. So their, their network is going to be very different than how they may behave. And that, that seems crazy. Um, I think the line here has to be keeping things relevant, right? Like let's not bring in all kinds of data like your Facebook friends. Um, but if you have a history of good cash flow, of not having massive debt, I don't think that we should continue to limit credit the way we do today. Um, but where that line is, I think we're going to have to go beyond it before it gets pulled back. Yeah, they talk about later in this piece that some lenders already use people's occupational history and educational background. And if you think about that, the jobs I've had before, I think it's Tony Robbins who always says the past doesn't equal the future just because you were somebody yesterday doesn't mean you need to be somebody tomorrow. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that credit agencies should look at what you've done historically (laughs) and mark where you probably will go. But I also think that if somebody has a good job today and they're paying their bills today and maybe they're just out of college, just out of a bad relationship, just out of something like circumstances can change. I can see how that would be, could be predatory or discriminatory. Yeah. I mean, layoffs and major job changes, it's not perfect. It's never going to be a perfect predictive no, measure. No, I, I do like the fact though, that what's driving this, and this is exciting. I've always thought that banks and the government should listen more to what these fintech companies are doing and that they they need to continue to push the envelope. It looks like all of this stuff isn't coming from Washington. It's coming from fintech saying, look, yeah. we, we, we have lower. Well, you're somebody that in your prior career dealt with credit scores uh, for companies and dealt with um, and dealt with uh, bankruptcies and stuff. Like if a fintech company can widen it, widen the net, give some people more credit that deserve it and lower the number yeah. of bankruptcies overall, who loses in that deal? No, it seems like the best case scenario. And Mike says here, the one thing FICO system doesn't account for is income. And that's a huge hole, right? <laughs> like um, whether you can actually pay the debt back is so, such an important thing. Yeah, that's it, it, and isn't that weird? But, but then, t- you know, Mike, to your point, even though the FICO system doesn't account for income, I don't know that more income is a great predictor of better financial habits. I worked with some, when I was at the local TV station, I worked with quite a few people there with their money and some of the highest paid people, some of the anchors that I worked with were horrible with money and had rotten credit scores, even though they made, there was an anchor I worked with who made uh, over $350,000 a year and could not pay the bills on time. Like that was the person specifically hired me to make sure they could pay their bills on time. Um, and, and job one was to clean up their credit. So it reflected their income. You know, the whole idea of act your wage, like that uh, Dave Ramsey talks <laughs> yeah. about, well, yeah. this is somebody who had a huge wage and, um, wasn't at all acting, acting their wage, but in the opposite. Yeah, and even if you work in the space, right. I mean, I had people I worked with that made high six figures, if not seven figures that were not good money managers or good investors personally, even if they were great investors as that, as that was their job. Um, it, it's not always to carry over. I had a I had a guy that I worked with, a financial planner who believed 
that if you bought something you couldn't afford on big payments, like like a car that that was a two hundred thousand dollar car, and you bought it on payments, that would force you to make enough money every month so that you could meet the payment, which would raise your salary. He would do these commitments that would force him to uh, stay at work all night. I didn't, I couldn't believe that. Dude's a financial planner. That is work. actually not the first time I've heard that argument. That like you need to like create this false sense of well it's a real sense of stress once you take the payments on but like create unnecessary stress in your life i also had people i worked with at a major uh, wall street investment bank that thought that the 401k match wasn't worth it because you couldn't invest the way you wanted to and you should just pick stocks on your own in a taxable account and i was like dude (laughs) free money that's amazing because those people know better i mean on one hand i would work with people that were nowhere near wall street who would say i hate my company i don't trust them so i'm not putting money in the 401k so i would have to explain to them that fidelity actually handled the 401k and they're they're okay they're going to be great and once we got past that they put money in and even in some cases people would go i don't even know that i trust them to put the money in and so then when we get together a couple times a year they'd bring in their state paper statements and we'd walk through whether they've made all the contributions um so I get that, but people that know better on Wall Street who don't trust your 401k match. It's not that they didn't trust the match. They just wanted to be able to stock pick and it was expensive. We had trading fees if you wanted to, and you had to like hold something a certain amount of time before you could sell. And they were like, I, I don't want to do that. So I'll, I'll make more money if I can pick my own stocks. And it's like, you will more than double your money <laughs> instantaneously. <laughs> So wait a minute, what you're, but, what you're saying is, is that big uh, Wall Street firms weren't just gouging everybody else, they were gouging their own employees with fees too? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> if you, and that was the, it was like depending on what you did. If you went and bought index funds and just sat on it, then no, the fees were low. But if you wanted to day trade, it was expensive. Let's let's uh, get back to this piece one more time before we have <laughs> our, before we have our big idea. This idea of making earlier to get easier to get credit, doesn't it make sense though that maybe there are some protections so that people with bad credit can't blow themselves up? Yeah, I think I think that that's valid. And thinking about um, how we make sure that people that are had a bad history and are getting better are still making moves that allow them to continue to get better instead of putting them backwards, right? Making mistakes that slip them backwards. I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, But I think that it's very real, the number of people, especially low-income people, that simply have not had access to credit and that has impacted mobility, economic mobility. uh, And finding new ways to handle that is is going to be a good thing. Um, Yeah, It is is funny because I think you and I agree that this, this Wall Street Journal article pictures this kind of negatively, I, I think this might be a good thing. And I think it's, I think it's the headlines a little clickbaity, right? Of, um, sure. we're not going out and saying like, <laughs> you can go get a $500,000 mortgage now with cash flow. They're just encouraging, they're allowing lenders to look at, a, at additional metrics. Um, if a credit score isn't enough. In just a second, Chelsea and I will have our big takeaways from today's piece, but first I'd like to take a minute and talk about your IRA or solo 401k plan. What you what do you do when you want to invest in something different than the usual suspects offered in most brokerages or in your 401k? Well, you skip the match on the 401k and you open <laughs> you open a self-directed IRA. Probably not. Do your 401k, do the match. But if you want if you want uh, to buy real estate or private companies or peer-to-peer lending, crowdfunding, or anything else offered by the IRS that you can't get at Fidelity Vanguard, T Real Price, Merrill Lynch, wherever. 
look at Rocket Dollar because making investments through Rocket Dollar is easy. You simply write a check out of your Rocket Dollar account. You don't have to wait for a custodian to mail a check on your behalf. It's that simple. And best of all, you keep all the tax protections of your existing IRA or your 401k. They have a whole knowledge base where they also teach you what the rules are so you continue to have that money inside an IRA. As an example, if you go buy a house and you buy it with your IRA, getting a mortgage is ugly. Uh, uh, through that. And also you can't go there because it's inside your IRA. Rocket Dollar will teach you exactly what you need to know if you have an opportunity that's outside of the normal investments. Best of all, you keep all of those tax protections. So if you open a Rocket Dollar account, you'll then be able to take advantage of a world of investment opportunities. You get all this for $15 a month after a one-time $360 sign-up fee. But for all of you hanging out with us, our friends at Rocket Dollar offering $100 off your setup fee by making by using Money with Friends when setting up your account at rocketdollar.com. Head to rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF and put in Money with Friends. It'll tell you that when you get there, by the way. Rocketdollar.com forward slash MWF for your hundred bucks off. Thanks to them for supporting the show. And I love, speaking of fintech companies, I love what Rocket Dollar's done in that area. Cause you know, people hear a $360 setup fee and they go, ooh, that's a lot of money. But no, versus who used to do it and the companies they compete against. Here's another fintech company lowering fees dramatically. Chelsea, what's our big uh, takeaway from uh, this piece? Go out and uh, get a bunch more credit cards. I think the biggest takeaway from this article for me is that fintech companies are changing the game a little bit and giving us more access to information and a better understanding of how people handle money. And instead of having it say, hey, credit scores are going to be less important, you can go out and get a credit card or buy a car uh, with bad credit. I think it's more saying we have to be careful about what our financial history says about us overall uh, and paying attention to how we use money um, and how we manage cash flow, uh, which are important parts of budgeting in general. Um, But our access to credit is going to get more unique um, and more specialized on how exactly how responsible we are overall. That's interesting because my takeaway was very similar. When I first became a financial blogger, there were two ways to blog. It was, it was um, blog for people and write stories that people would want to read, or it was take a look at Google and everything and manipulate the system, right? Take a look at Google mm-hmm. being the search engines and manipulate the system. And for people that did that, the system continually changed. And so manipulating the system got harder and harder and harder. And I see this as a good, I guess, metaphor for what's happening in the broader spectrum of your credit. People, you read all the time online, people like, hey, I can help you raise your credit score by 20 points, 30 points. We all know ways to game the credit system. You can do one of two things. You can continue to try to game the system, or you can actually just do the right thing with your money. Like, call me crazy, <laughs> but getting financially savvy isn't about your credit. It's about actually getting your financial house in order. And guess what comes along with that? A better credit score comes along with yep. that. So I would, frankly, try to ignore all of this um, and just think about how do I get ahead financially? And your 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 credit score will be fine over time. And if you're thinking really bad about the fact that you need a really high credit score so you can get more debt, that's like the first sign that dangerous things are on the horizon, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. Maybe. So uh, what's happening to Smart Money Mamas right now as we speak? As we speak, we're running a goal setting challenge in our Facebook group and helping people get ready for 2020. Uh, And we are working on getting our podcast ready to launch in February. You are so early on 2020. I mean, you got two whole weeks to go. We haven't even thought about it yet. 
<laughs> You'll think about it in like February, right? Ten percent of the year's gone. Oh my god! <laughs> We're like, it's oh, is this decade a thing? Right, <laughs> absolutely. And that's at smartmoneymamas.com. You can also find links to uh, uh, Chelsea and all the places you can find Chelsea at moneywithfriendspodcast.com. On behalf of Chelsea Brennan, who our system just kicked off the show, <laughs> I'm Joe Salcihi. We'll see you back here next time at Money with Friends. Bye bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.